G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I walked into my doctor's office having heard a crazy thing that some small plane, they said, went into the tower. And I was thinking that's crazy because it would be really hard to do. Having been a flight attendant, I know how hard it would be to do. Then another plane went in. And when I went back, people were just freaking out, running around. And somebody was saying, the plane's going into the old executive office building. My boyfriend's there. And they were just losing it. And I was like, wow. And then the Pentagon was hit. We could actually literally hear it and smell the smoke. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have a first-hand account of the traumatic events during the September 11th terrorist attacks in the United States. Lisa Ackers was working as a flight attendant at the time and personally knew many of the people affected. We'll also find out how she came to live in Australia and how God has been working in her life. Lisa is having a chat with Karen Hunt. Lisa is from Virginia in the USA. She's been in Australia now for about nine years. She's a mature postgraduate student. Formerly, she's been a small business owner. She's worked in finance and advertising. She has one story to tell. So first of all, good morning, Lisa, and welcome to the program. Good morning, Karen. It's great to have you join me. You basically grew up in Virginia. Let's just rewind in your life journey. What was life like for you as a child? Well, um, Karen, my father was a professor university professor and so I grew up in Charlottesville, Virginia and Baltimore, Maryland primarily. Just a, a pretty idyllic life in terms of, you know, just having an ivory tower of university life and Christian life and yeah, it's pretty good generally. My dad did get away from God after a while so for me that wasn't great and that presented some difficulties in our family and eventually my parents got separated and divorced when I was 18 so I found that a bit challenging but otherwise things were pretty good. So were there siblings growing up? Yeah. I'm the oldest and I have a younger sister and a younger brother. So Virginia's a far cry across the Pacific Puddle to Australia. What brought you out here or do we need to rewind further in your journey and then come forward? Probably rewind a little bit further. Yeah, it's 10,000 miles exactly from my home to here, so that's a long, long way. Yeah, I guess um, I went back to school when I was just a little bit of a mature age student and uh, got an undergraduate degree and then I thought, oh, you know, after all this hard work, I'll take a break and I became a flight attendant for a little while just while I was looking for a real job quote unquote but then I found that um, I could fly around the world for free so I thought oh this is great maybe I should do this for two years before going back to graduate school so that was my plan and then just prior to two years into being a flight attendant um, September 11th happened so that uh, was a great difficulty and uh, it sort of changed my path for a while because I sort of felt that when things are difficult is not the time to leave that that wouldn't be kind of an honorable position to take. So I felt that I wanted to stay and help. So I got on the health and safety committee and um, we did some testifying before Congress and some things like that, trying to help the situation. So yeah, and that was a very trying time. So I continued to um, do this for another two years and then I went back to graduate school in England. So you're telling me that you were a 9-11 flight attendant? Yes. Where were you at the time? That actual day, were you on the job? Where were you? What was happening? 
I was on the way to the job. I guess, yeah, I had stopped for a very quick doctor's appointment on the way to the job. So technically, where I was was driving to the doctor's office, arriving at the doctor's office, at the doctor's office, and driving back to my house and to the airport. So you're talking doctor's office where? Which part of the U.S.? In Washington, D.C., in Virginia, northern Virginia, technically, right near the Pentagon, actually. So, yeah. Uh, so I guess in that short period of time, you know, my whole life changed in ways that I couldn't have imagined. I mean, I think now when I think back, you know, reading history about World War II and things, and I always sort of think about the, I used to always think when I was a lot younger uh, about the sort of the stories that you read and the tragedies and you sort of think, oh, well, it all turned out all right. So what's the big deal? But, you know, I think in those moments, I became aware of what it must have been like for people that went through these things like, a, you know, the Blitz in London and things like that. And later I found comfort in talking to people as in the U.S. we'd never had any experience like this so I didn't have any elders to talk to about this and so later when I was in England I found it very comforting to talk to people that had been through the Blitz who were at my church in England and things like that because the wisdom that they had from these experiences was very helpful and also veterans I was had veterans that just reached out to me and talked to me which I was really have been really grateful for both in the U.S. and England and also in Australia like in, in any time any of this stuff ever came up I I had veterans who just were really lovely and just shared things. They'd be sitting with their family in church and they'd share things with me that they had never shared with their families in an effort to let me know that they understood what I would have gone through and the depth of that. And that was that sharing is something that I, I really am grateful for and really treasure because it made the continuum of things just a lot more bearable for me. At the time uh, when I wanted to go back to graduate school, I couldn't actually imagine how I could possibly leave because um, the experiences that I went through over this couple years were so intense because, you know, we had... Um, you know, briefings being in Washington from Homeland Security, from uh, the CIA, the FBI, every other kind of agency you could imagine every morning and about security issues. So it was like being in a war, which I didn't expect. And the rest of the population doesn't really know about that. Um, so when I did actually manage to go, what I thought about was, well, my grandfathers and great uncles were in World War II and things. And they did that. And then they changed their life and they did something else. So I thought they did that. I can do that, too. Help us understand, you're at the doctor's surgery, so you weren't actually in an airport terminal, you weren't actually preparing to board a flight. Basically, you know, if you were in the city of New York, Boston or Washington on that day, your city was being attacked. And it may not really seemed that way when you look at it on TV but that's the way that it felt and that's the way that it was really because when you're in the middle of that you don't really know what's happening next so I walked into my doctor's office having heard a crazy thing that some small plane they said went into the tower and I was thinking that's crazy because it would be really hard to do having been a flight attendant I know how hard it would be to do um, and so I walked in there and there was a nurse for the airlines there and she was freaking out saying she seemed to think it was the end of the world and I was like what are you talking about and then then another plane went in and I, I could never understand why she'd brought a radio with her to the doctor's office I still don't understand that but it was really strange then when I went back to the do into the doctor's office people were just freaking out running around and somebody was saying the plane's going into the old executive office building my boyfriend's there and they were just losing it and I was like wow and then the pentagon was hit you, we could actually literally hear it and smell the smoke so that is like being attacked at your home so it's 
It's hard to explain how intense it was. You know, then I, I drove home. I couldn't get home for a while, and then I had to go to the airport. By the time I was getting to the airport, they were putting tanks in the road, and this is out in Northern Virginia, and blocking all the traffic and stopping everything. So literally then by the time I finally got back home, which was way later in the day, there were all these flight attendants and pilots who had to walk a few miles to our crash pad because all the hotels were booked out and and there was no driving anywhere and I don't think people really know that that's what happened. They were all crying because everybody knew somebody that had died. I knew people that had died. I have a friend that died on flight 93 that went into the ground in Pittsburgh and also um, you know one of the flight attendants in my crash pad had just switched her flight with uh, a flight out of Newark I think that went into the tower and she actually was should have been in the tower and her friends said please change the flight with me because I want to go meet my boyfriend or something and so she did and she was just hysterical and like I said, I was also working for um, a group called Airline Ambassadors, which was a group, a charity group, and we brought people from third world countries like children that were in wheelchairs or had cleft palates. So we brought them back to the U.S., used our flight benefits to bring them back to get surgery. I was supposed to be up at the U.N. between the 9th and the 11th, and for some reason I could never get in touch with this lady to get um, the information about getting up there and I talked to her on the 10th just before the 11th and, and she said oh don't worry just come up instead for the 12th to the 14th we were all going to give information to the UN to try to get funding for this um, airline ambassadors organization and um, along with a group of other NGOs and, and needless to say you know the UN building is right down by the towers it's right down in lower Manhattan so then this never happened and, and at the moment all this stuff was going on like I, I mean you don't really know what's happening when these things are going on, you don't really know what to do. So I was sort of thinking the roads are blocked. And I talked to a friend of mine who worked for air traffic control and he said, we're still missing eight planes. And I was going, oh, in my head, this is what I was thinking in these moments. Like, what does this mean? And, and I thought, should I try to drive over this field to get out of here? Are we all going to be bombed and killed? I mean, and then I was thinking about my friends and my brother who worked, you know, in the city in Washington. I thought, I don't want to go. And anyway, I just stayed put and did what I was supposed to, you know, but it was a very stressful thing to think about and decision. And I was also trying to figure out, you know, how to get up to New York and, and help my friends and, and what to do. And later in the day, I talked to my brother, who was also worked for the news in Washington, D.C., and he said, I can't believe that we've had a day where the Pentagon has been attacked. And the big story, the headline story is New York. So he was just like, what the heck? You know, and we were, anyway, we we're all like, and, you know, in the remaining days and you know, everybody that I knew had somebody that had died or something that had happened. So the astonishing thing I found is when I went to Europe or overseas, people were telling me they read a book by some French guy or something that this was all a myth and it didn't really happen and that it was an explosion from within the Pentagon. And I'm like, well, but I saw it and they didn't believe me. So, and I had to get over trying to explain things to people. I can't even begin to imagine what it would have been like yeah. at that time. I'm interested to know, were you a Christian in that season of your life? I, I was a Christian in that season of my life, but um, I think that the, the flights, um, in fact, in my flight attendant training school, I actually started a Bible study, and I, I think we had all these old flight attendants from the 70s with their hot pants and boots, and they couldn't believe that we were having these big prayer sessions. Um, you know, like, actually, literally, we sat in a circle and had a big prayer. Even this one girl who 
claimed to be a witch beforehand, joined our prayer service, and we did that, and we had almost 100% success rate in passing our, this is when we were the hangar, we had to pass our last test, physical test on the planes. Yeah, I actually have always thought it was, some, there's something really amazing, because I prayed before I went to be a flight attendant, because I was kind of like, oh, I don't know about this. It wasn't really the job I was looking for. It was just kind of a job like a waitress I thought I'd take while I was looking for a real job. You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with Lisa Ackers about the impact the September 11th terrorist attacks have had on her life. Next, we'll find out how she came to live in Australia and how she was healed after a horrific car accident. That and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with Lisa Ackers, who's been sharing about the impact the September 11 terrorist attacks have had on her life. Now, we'll hear about the next chapter in her life after she decides to stop being a flight attendant. So, Lisa, at this point in your life, I'm not surprised you decided to change your career path. Yes. Where did you head to? What was next? Okay, well, while I was in England studying archaeology, I became aware of um, some particular health issues that Muslim women have that are really difficult. And so once I helped this woman with some of these issues, she sent a lot of her friends to me, which I was quite surprised about because I thought that they would rather talk to each other. Muslim women would rather talk to Muslim women. But I found that they had actually rather talk to an outsider. The reason was I realized it was because of their privacy. So they wanted to um, protect their privacy by talking to an outsider and not having gossip about their lives. So my experience in England was not only of trying to do um, what I would consider really reconciliation work. So, um, yeah, and, and I had other English friends that came and talked to me about various phobias and things, and I wasn't expecting all of this. So I thought, okay, it became really clear to me that I had a calling, and I previously had been told when I was in the U.S. I'd done some counseling, like after the September 11th thing for people. And so um, I thought, well, I'll go study for a Master's of Counseling. And so I looked to study, and I was accepted in the U.S., the U.K., Canada, and Australia. And I had been to Australia before briefly a couple of times, and I thought, oh, it's a beautiful country. I don't think I was quite ready to go home yet. And um, in the U.S., a lot of times people will travel for a little bit, and then they'll go back. It's similar to Australia in that way. Then you go back and kind of set up your life and start working really hard. And I sort of felt like I still had a little traveling in me before I wanted to pay my bills. But then it turned out to be a lot longer than I thought. But um, So I came here to study for my Master's of Counseling at UQ. You started your studies for your Master's of Counseling here yes. in Australia, but unfortunately, an accident occurred. Can you share with our listeners what happened and how did that affect your journey from there? Yes. Um, a friend of mine and I, actually an ex-boyfriend and I, we had um, had a whole bunch of people that were going to go up to Agnes Waters to get our dive license. In the end, uh, because it was cheaper up there and we were students and it seemed prettier or something like that, and in the end, it turned out that everyone cancelled except for him and I. So we were on our way up there and unfortunately, um, he was a very 
very bad driver, the worst driver I've ever seen in my life in general. And uh, anyway, what happened is we were driving on the Bruce Highway in probably what was a black spot, but in the middle of nowhere at night. And he managed to flip the car on a straightaway. He was, he jerked it. We were going 100K and we flipped diagonally five times, landing with the car crushing on our heads and, and all the windows shooting in and out. I don't know. So in this car accident, my back was broken and I was told I wouldn't walk. We were there for, I don't know how long. People always asked me if I was conscious or not. And I thought that I was, but I recently had a memory of being on top of this hill yelling for help above the car. But I actually know that I never got out of the car because I wasn't able to get out of the car. So somehow 45 minutes later or some period of time later, the army came and rescued us because we're in the middle of nowhere. So the Australian army, thank God, came and rescued us, put us in their vehicle and called the emergency ambulance and and got us um, to the hospital in Gympie. Yeah, they told me I wouldn't walk, so I was terrified. And I think that I had people from my church that prayed for me then, and um, and my ex-boyfriend prayed for me. And I had, I did um, manage to sort of be able to kind of drag my leg around, but there's definitely something really wrong, and I needed to. Then uh, after I got out of, the, some people took care of us in Gympie for a little while, and for a few days, maybe a week. I don't remember exactly. And then somehow I got back to Brisbane. And then I had to be in bed for three months, lying flat, and somehow. Uh, and then I was in great pain, and there was some debate about whether I should have a back brace. Or, and my doctor, for some reason, just decided to give me lots of drugs. But anyway, I prayed. I had people pray for me, and my back just wasn't getting better. So it was, it was difficult, and I managed to... Um, kind of scoot out that semester. I didn't do any work. I think I did reduce to two courses and did the work over the break after the semester on an extension. And they were great and they worked with me. And I had to even start my next prac the next semester when I was still pretty messed up um, in tons of pain and on lots of drugs. And um, But that was the conditions of my visa that I had to... And they, they were like, they wouldn't let me wait. I said, let me just do some more courses. But it was okay. I was working in the hospital with cancer patients and leukemia patients and I understood their pain. So um, we did lots of, lots of counseling. I worked with the pastoral care team there and we had lots of success and that was great. That was the beginning of 2007. So when I was lying on my back, I didn't get really much, I, I didn't get any real input, maybe just a tiny bit of input from the church I'd been attending for whatever reason. It's a very large church. But the, I found that people from my university that were in a church um, called Hope Church at UK they just really reached out to me and they started bringing me food because I wasn't able to get food for myself and bringing me class notes and doing that during that first semester when I was really sick and so then when they asked me to go to their church I said yeah sure because you have truly walked the talk and I'm very grateful so I went there and um, there was I remember there were a couple of friends of mine they said they wanted to sort of help me get some money so that I could go because you know this stuff it just wrecks your budget I'd saved up I'd worked at UQ social research and saved up money while I paid for my education and all that went with the physical therapy so all that money went and they decided they wanted to try to help me raise some money to go to the Wesley Back Clinic to try to get better which was really kind of them but then I think one of their leaders said well wait we're going to have this healing conference wait till she goes to the healing conference and see and I remember at the time because I prayed and prayed and I'd had faith and I've had healings before from things and um, in the US and, and I've had a lot of faith but I just felt really sad because I thought I thought all oh, these friends are so lovely they're such lovely lovely faithful Christians and 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 I thought well 
I thought, I'm just going to go. And I remember praying to God beforehand. I said, God, please bless them for their kindness. And I, I don't know if you have it in, in your in your heart for me to be healed. And I'm really willing to be healed if you do. But but if it's not going to happen, just please bless them for their kindness in bringing me here. Like I just, I was really worried that I would disappoint them because they seemed so eager and earnest. And But I went into this healing conference and it was a weekend and I just got such massive healing. I mean, I had somebody, because I was literally, my back was broken at my T9 and T10 vertebrae, but I had such... I mean, the car crushed on my head to break my back. So my whole spine was impacted, really, from my head to my, I think, my toes, but definitely to my tailbone. So um, I literally got one healing on my head, just massive healing. And then somebody else prayed for my neck. And then somebody else prayed for my whole sort of, you know, from my neck to my waist. And then somebody else prayed for my lower back and just got massive healing. And I decided, because out of a step of faith, that I was just going to like take myself off these massive drugs over that weekend. And so I did. And I was like, God, I'm going to do this. Just help me. Bless me. So God blessed me. I was kind of running around my apartment that whole weekend. But God blessed me and just completely healed me also from those drugs. You know, just took me off of them. And I was fine. I didn't have any flashbacks, any kind of... Um, side effects from that I was just completely done you know by the end of that weekend as well completely healed back I still after that the insurance company I'd say I was probably mostly healed but not completely so after that the insurance company actually did also come up with the money for me to um, go to the Wesley back clinic which was awesome it was a three weeks of like all day long back stuff and then yeah then I was just I'd say I was you know fairly well back to normal so that was just awesome and really um, unexpected to go from you know within a year from being told you won't walk and I was I literally was just thinking wow I'm done now but then just these miracles happen and I'm just so grateful to God and it's just been such an incredible journey of like not only just um, receiving the miracles but having the faith for the miracles and 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 stepping out in faith and just trusting God and just believing in the miracles and just saying it's okay God like I'm you know I love you anyway I'm, I'm loving you anyway even no matter what happens but thank you for healing me so that I can you know be blessed to be a blessing but also just um, go Go on and do your work with my hands and feet, you know, and and do the work that you would have us to do on the earth. Lisa, God bless you. I wish you well with the rest of your studies, uh, with your family, with all that you're doing. God ain't finished with you yet, honey. (laughs) Thank you so much, Karen. I really appreciate the time. That was Karen Hunt chatting with former flight attendant Lisa Ackers about the events in her life. Earlier, we heard about the impact the September 11 terrorist attacks had on her and how she later came to Australia to study, but was in a horrific car accident. Fortunately, she was miraculously healed and is now eager to be used by God for his glory. We pray that she continues to be adventurous for the Lord and that he leads her to a fulfilling career path that is just right for her. And of course, the Lord says in Jeremiah, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And that's a promise that all of us can take comfort in. Well, thanks for joining us for Lisa's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. We saw the people, we spoke to NGOs up there, we spoke to pastors that have got personal contact with these people, and the stories are horrific. For instance, a brother or even an uncle will take one of the girls on some pretense going to buy something. They will hand the girl over to another agent. Now that could happen three to five times before they get to India. This is their own, sometimes their own flesh and blood. 
Jeff Dar is the Managing Director of Gospel for Asia Australia, which is based in Toowoomba, Queensland. In his role, he's travelled many times to various parts of Asia, including Nepal, where they're working to stop sex trafficking. We'll find out about that and some of the other ways they're helping in that part of the world next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.